Turn out the lights, the party's over. All things <laughs> must end. Uh, Colorado State, disappointing, gut-wrenching, frustrating, however you want to describe it. 28-19 loss to Boise State. They're 11th in a row. I'm Justin Michael. This is DNVR Rams Late Night, presented by Chevalier Mortgage. Got my main man, Jake Schwanitz, from the Draft Pod. Also, our film room film room excuse me extraordinaire jake what's your what's just like your instant reaction to this loss you know what what was the first thing that was going through your mind you know especially as this game started to turn right like you said it just turned um initially it looked really good for csu um kind of again a tale of two halves first half looking really strong really balanced offensively uh the defense was able to generate some stops for some punts and then uh, eventually the red zone woes just kind of caught up. Uh, Boise State's uh, really made some nice adjustments going into the second half, I think. And uh, that's really where the game turned. Uh, after that, CSU couldn't really do much. Yeah, I mean, it, it really feels like this one came down to red zone execution and just general coaching. I think Boise State definitely made better adjustments. I mean, the the proof is in the numbers when you look at CSU's offensive success in the first half versus the second half. I mean, they're driving the ball up and down the field in those first two quarters, and then they get into the 20, and it's just like kryptonite. I don't really know how to describe it. That's that's obviously going to be the focus, I think, of this post game, just because you have four opportunities, and you settle for four field goals all under 30 yards, a couple of them like 20-yard chip shots. Right. Would you have liked to have seen them play more aggressively there? Because I think the third one right before the half to go up two scores, I probably agree with that decision. I also agree with the fourth one when you're, you know, you're trying to cut back into it. But those first two, especially after forcing a pair of three and outs to start the game, I think you have to go for the jugular there because this is a Boise State team. You've never beat them. You're 0-10 coming in. You've got to play for the win. Boise State, they're playing for their season here. I mean, a loss eliminates them from championship contention. And I, I just feel like the, I don't know, general lack of aggressiveness kind of came back to bite them in the butt. Yeah, you're right. Um, we'll start with the most recent one or the fourth one. Uh, that one, as you said, just trying to get some momentum going at that point, right? Um, you're hoping just to get some more points on the board after halftime and really just come out on the next drive and then put together a touchdown drive. Uh, the third one, um, again, I, I do agree with the decision to kick the field goal just because the clock was winding down. But and you the, go up two scores right before halftime after giving up the 97-yard touchdown drive, which we'll get into that later too. You give up two 97-yard drives in this game. That's just back-breaking. Exactly. Um, the thing on the third one that I really didn't agree with is just it felt like CSU got too cute towards the end. Um, you know, they had. Play. Yeah, a couple of trick plays and then just kind of some sloppy play going on that really kind of hamstrung them and forced them into that field goal. So at that point, getting the three points felt like a win, frankly, because it looked like they were just going backwards and kind of not really knowing what to do. Um, and then the first and second one, it's just you could they were able to kind of get offense going up until the red zone. It's just it really sputtered out once they got in. The thing that really confused me about this one is it it just kind of felt like in the red zone, they just kept going back to the same things over and over again. Everything was in tight. It was David Bailey between the tackles. 
he's a stud. He's coming off of a career game. I get that running the ball is the foundation of this team, but I mean, even Steve Adazio said it. He's like, with the guys that we have, even if we're running, you know, 12 personnel or even, you know, three, four tight end sets, depending on what they're doing, like it doesn't necessarily have to be all spread out or I mean, all in tight. I'd like to see them spread it out. I mean, you have pass catching tight ends and you have a guy in Centeo who's really effective in those QB draw types of situations. I just think if you spread the defense out a little bit more, you at least give yourself a better opportunity because they're stacking against you all night down there. They're beating you in the trenches in the red zone. And it just kind of felt like stubbornness. Like, you know, this is what we do. Right. This is, you know, our type of football. And we're just going to keep, you know, smashing into you. And it was just the same results over and over again. I think uh, stubbornness is the right word um, because you saw, especially the first try of the game, it was really balanced and really successful. Um, they were able to, you know, they push the ball down the field, 13 plays, 71 yards, five minutes off the clock. Um, it's an insanely successful drive. Uh, Bailey ran for 22 yards. Centeo had a big run. Centeo had some nice passes. It was just all really just well-rounded um, those first few drives. And I think, like you said, just they saw that it worked and they kind of just got stuck in it. And, you know, eventually they're just beating their head against the wall. When, and, and we'll get into the turning point later, so you don't have to like give the exact moment or anything. But at what point in this game did you kind of feel like, man, Colorado State might be in trouble here? Because it was it was the second field goal for me where I was like, man, that's the third straight drive that you put points on. You have two three and outs forced on defense and you have a 13-0 lead to show for it. And it's just one of those situations where you're sitting on pins and needles because you know a touchdown and all of that dominance that you've displayed over, you know, a quarter of football. Cause really they kicked Boise's ass in that first quarter. I mean, they couldn't do anything yeah. offensively. You're moving the ball yourself. And you know, it just like the whole time, it just felt like there was this cloud like hanging over you. You know, it's here comes mm -hmm. the Vanderbilt all over again. And that's exactly right. what happened. Yeah. I, I won't give away my turning point right now, but after that, uh, Boise state had a long touchdown drive as the second quarter was winding down, uh, 13 plays, 97 yards, took six minutes off the clock. Uh, so Colorado state gets the ball back, uh, with about a minute, 30 minute, 40 left in the half. Uh, they go 10 plays and it's that field goal drive, you know, where they do some weird trick plays in the red zone. Um, they're just not really getting it together. I feel like that was just such a huge missed opportunity, especially right at the gun of the half. Um, the score could have easily been 27. Um, you know, in hindsight, of course, that's not going to be enough because the final score was 28-19. But still, I just think that going up those three possessions uh, would have been huge for them or it would have been two still at that point. Um but still, I just think you stretch the lead that much more and you just kind of put the pressure on a bit more and, and weren't able to get it done. I mean, there's no guarantees, obviously. I, I was in the stadium when CSU blew a 28-3 lead to Boise State and, and plenty of other people will always remember that 2017 game as well. But I just think when you're an underdog and when you're, when you're trying to beat a team that you've never beaten before, you got to like really go for it and and not in a sense like calling the trick plays, but just like you got to really play to win and be content mm -hmm. and, you know, potentially turning the ball over on downs every now and then just because, you know, we went for touchdowns here. That's what Utah State did in their loss to Boise State. And 
honestly, that one can be frustrating in its own right because they had like 300 total yards of offense in the first half and had no points to show for it. Sometimes that happens, but at least they went down swinging. And it's not to say that, you know, CSU laid down in this or that they, that they didn't fight because obviously you led, you know, up until four minutes left in the third quarter. But it's just when it comes down to like woulda, coulda, shoulda, I think those are like the most gut-wrenching losses to deal with. I'd rather lose, you know, because it was, you want to know what? We went for it and and we struck out. Right. And, you know, CSU just really didn't have a lot of opportunities to kind of be aggressive in terms of uh, down and distance and play calling, uh, especially in the second half. You know, you have the block punt and everything. And yeah, it's, it's third and long. There's just a lot of bad situations. You had that, uh, I think it was the first possession in the second half where uh, Boise State actually had a really nice punt and CSU all of a sudden gets the ball on their own two-yard line. You know what I mean? So it's just stuff like that that really just compounded in the second half. I mean, that's that's one of the things Steve Adazio was talking a lot about post-game. It was just timely field position. It, it really went Boy, Boise State's way in that second half. He he felt in the third quarter, that's kind of where the game was lost in general. He's like, yeah, the red zone opportunities obviously came back to haunt us, but he's like, really, both sides of the football, Boise State just kind of punched him in the mouth a little bit in the third quarter. I don't think he's wrong. I do think he's downplaying the red zone struggles a little bit, and... I don't know, maybe he'll change his mind after he goes back and watches the film and stuff. But just a, a weird, really frustrating game. And it, it's gonna put CSU in a in a really tough position. Um Caden Camper's a stud. I mean, silver linings will will highlight some mm -hmm. individuals as well when we play Bruce for you. But I did want to ask you, just like as a guy that follows a lot of college football it is pretty rare to actually be able to trust your kicker and they have a legitimate stud at kicker and Caden camper. Right. I mean, you hear the, the saying college kickers, right? Um, it kind of strikes fear into everyone's hearts. Um, but I mean, you see it with CSU, you, you have camper, you have Stonehouse. Um, they're kind of unsung heroes at times. You don't really realize how important these positions are until you don't have these guys anymore. Um, so, you know, kind of be thankful for what you have now, even though it's not really translating into wins. Um, it could be a lot worse. I mean, you, it's just one of those things you can appreciate the production and you can appreciate what they're doing individually. It's like Trey McBride. I mean, 10 grabs for 103 yards tonight. He now has five uh, performances this year where he's gone a hundred plus receiving yards. That'd be impressive as a wide receiver to do that as a tight end is absolutely right. insane. Obviously you'd hope that would translate to more wins. It hasn't yet but it doesn't mean you can't appreciate what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even in the film rooms, we've talked about it. There's some, there's really good things this team does. It just, it's not always all together. But that almost like, and I was thinking about this post game. I think that frustrate, what frustrates me even more is all of the things that I thought this team would do well. They do it defensively, like Trey McBride, Dante, you know, David Bailey, all these guys, even Centeo, who I was defending against everyone for the first couple of weeks. It's clear right. Santeo's not the problem. Like, he played phenomenal tonight. Yeah. His, his decision-making was great. He was patient. He progressed through his reads. He had nice touch on the football. I mean, he put this team in position to win. They had the excellent two-minute drill at the end of the first half to, like, go down and, and get the points. Again, you want a touchdown there, but he put them in position. Then, you know, he's not the one calling the plays. You can – obviously, you got to execute better, but, I mean, just – 
just frustrating, man. It's like the things that we knew they would do well, they are doing well. And we've seen progress, but they just, they don't have the consistency. And I guess that's probably got to come down to coaching, right? I mean, if you're still just every week, you do one thing well, but you can't do it all well. Yeah, I think you're, you hit the nail on the head. Um, Also in terms of coaching, I mentioned it off the top, but just the way that these two teams made adjustments was very, very different. You obviously saw that Boise State had trouble uh, in the first quarter handling a lot. They, they went three and out uh, multiple times. Um, they allowed a field goal, a touchdown field goal, their first three drives against CSU. And then they really just kind of figured it out. They were able to really slow down the run game. Uh, they were able to contain Centeo. Um, they basically neutralized the pass rush. I mean, Bachmeyer was getting hit. He was getting hurried. Um, but the broad, the announcers mentioned it multiple times during the game. I mean, you can hit the guy, but he's still going to complete passes while he's getting hit. Um, so the Rams coaching staff just never really adjusted around Boise State, though, and that's really where the game was lost, I think. Bachmeyer deserves a lot of credit. I mean, he's a guy that I've criticized. I think in the past there have been instances where you can kind of rattle him. Like you could get his decision making a little bit off, especially when you started to hit him. I mean, he's tough again. I'm not saying he's soft or anything like that, right. but just time and time again, he kept getting up. He was delivering throws, had a couple of big throws on third down where he actually act, just yeah. took it on the chin and, and stepped in there and made a big play and kudos to him. But again, I mean, it's not like, you know, CSU's quarterback let him down or anything like that. And I don't even think the defense necessarily played poorly. I think they were, gassed a little bit in that second half the defensive line definitely didn't get after him the same way as they did early but to give up two 97 yard drives in this one it's it's just so uncharacteristic and, and these are great comments we have here the season's not over it does suck there is positive to spin out of this and, and i'll get into that a little bit here just it's tough especially when you know, you had a you had a chance to do something that you've never done. You had a chance to to accomplish history. And I know that this Boise State team isn't the same, you know, Boise State as, you know, 10 years ago or anything like that. But right. it'd be a substantial win and it would have kept their chances alive of competing for the Mountain West Championship. Now you're gonna have to go three and one to even make a bowl game. And it's it's certainly not out, you know, off the table at this point. I think Wyoming, I think Hawaii is winnable. And I think even Air Force and Nevada, you might be able to steal one of those. But it's it's just unfortunate that they put themselves in this position that they've lost so many games. You're sitting here at three and five when you could very realistically be six and two. Yeah, 100%. Um, go back to what you said about the defense. I'm with you. I don't think they necessarily played bad. Um, they just couldn't get off the field in some situations. Uh, you know, Boise state was really more efficient on third down than Colorado state. Um, but in terms of yardage, this was the most yards that the Colorado state defense allowed since that week one game against South Dakota state. So they weren't bad, but you know, they weren't their usual selves. You know, they've been highly ranked in a lot of stats. Uh, they got outgained in terms of first downs, Boise state had 27 first downs. I think that's another huge number that they haven't seen. Um, I don't know if it's been that high all year really. So it, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't, this is what happens though, right? I mean, the defense can't carry you all year in every single exactly. game. So the offense just wasn't able to really pick up the slack. I mean, I think the reality is if you hold Boise state under 30 points, 
that's a win, you know, like yeah. I think you, you kind of have to expect to put 30 points on the board to beat this team. It, it wasn't perfect in those, and those drives are bad, but also, I mean, like you, you get a big sack. Toby McBride had a massive sack in that fourth quarter to stop him. You get the ball back. They did have some time in plays in this one, a couple of big pass breakups, um, did get called for pass interference in the end zone, but kind of had no choice on that one. It was basically yeah. like let him catch the touchdown or, or take the penalty. Right. For as good as Boise State's playmakers are, and, and Shakir was definitely a stud in this one, and they had a couple of long yeah. touchdowns in it late. It wasn't like there were like a bunch of lapses in the secondary or anything. I don't think, you know, like the talent deficiency or anything like that was super evident. So kudos to to CSU for kind of scheming and and offsetting that talent gap because i do think boise state's wide receivers are definitely better than csu secondary but just just not quite enough not not quite their dominant self needed a couple more sacks i felt like there were a couple of holding calls that didn't go csu's way but you know it's not on the refs i'm not you know getting on here being like the officiating is why they lost (laughs) let's um let's move on and let's get into our turning point but before we do that got a shout out Chevalier Mortgage, my presenting sponsor, something to keep in mind for our homeowners. Prices are going up. It creates natural equity in your home. If you have mortgage insurance, chances are you can refinance out of that. Make the bubble work for you. If you're in the buyer's market, you know how crazy it is trying to buy a house in Colorado right now. Let Mike and Virginia Chevalier take the burden off this extremely difficult process. They're going to alleviate so much stress. Just take some of that worry off your plate. They are proud DNVR members. They're CSU alums, so they're hurting tonight just like you are. But chin up, Buttercup. They have a fun perk for DNVR listeners. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. Enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice. Most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. You can also call Mike directly at 970-412-2472. Or one last time, Visit dnvrmortgage.com, Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006, Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Love Mike and Virginia Chevalier. Love DNVR Rams late night. Thank you to everybody in the comment section. I, you know, it's been very active tonight, been a frustrating, frustrating couple of weeks really for CSU fans, but you guys have been great all season. Let's get into the turning point and, and where. We feel like this game was lost, I guess, for CSU. Technically speaking, you know, it's not lost till the final whistle, but there's always that moment, you know, where it just feels like, man, that's where it shifted. And so uh, I'll give you the floor. What what was your turning point in this one? Yeah, so I kind of nailed it down to a single play here. Um, It was about nine and a half, ten minutes to go in the third quarter. Um, Todd Santeo found Trey McBride for a 39 yard completion, catch and run. Um, that play is called back by a holding, um, that puts him at first and 20. Uh, the next play is a David Bailey run for one yard, second and 19 incompletion from Santeo. He is then, uh, sacked. And while there's an offsides from Boise state, it's just chaos unleashing. Um, point is that play, that big pass play to Trey McBride that was wiped out that really had them moving in. And I think that they were finding some momentum in the second half offensively. Um, they ended up punting on the drive and that's really where I kind of pinpoint that that's where my feelings were just like, ah, it's maybe not going to happen tonight just because that was really feeling like the Rams were getting it going in the second half and they just couldn't find it after that. 
I actually had the same moment. So (laughs) I think we both, that must've been the turning point for sure. Um, Yeah. Brutal. I mean, it's the difference between first and 20 or first and 10 in the red zone. Trey McBride made an awesome catch on it. Tough call on Barry Wesley. Again, I, I did not agree with that holding call. He got a little handsy on the outside. I thought it was kind of ticky tacky, but regardless, it's a big momentum play that goes against you. And then we just saw things kind of compound from there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another one that I actually put down was Khalil Shakir's punt return. I felt like just kind of set them up nice and, you know, Stonehouse might've outkicked his coverage a little bit, but yeah, his one bad little things in this one. Exactly. He was awesome though. Those back, the backspin that he had on those 60 yard punts is absolutely insane. Yeah, he is something else, man. Um, also, what did he average? I think he averaged 60 yards a punt or something ridiculous. Like it was yeah. if it wasn't 60, it was really close, which is absolutely insane. He needs to get drafted. He will get drafted. Really I'm telling you, he will happens, get drafted. <laughs> the CSU's had some good ones in the past and they haven't, but I, I agree. His leg is just too it's when you watch the ball come off, scouts are gonna fall in love with it. Um, we're going to play bruise for you here in just a second, but just kind of going back to the turning point. I, it's the little things, right? Like if we kind of talked about it, you know, after the Iowa loss or even, I mean, you can go back to Vanderbilt when you're in a tight game like this, it, a penalty here, you know, a drop there or, or a turnover, you know, that's, that can be what costs you. And I think there's a lot of different things that went wrong for CSU in this one. Again, it it doesn't solely come down to that turning point, but it was just kind of, I don't know, like symbolic of how this second half went in general, like everything came up Boise state, everything went against CSU, you know, after doing everything well, seemingly in the first half, aside from scoring in the red zone, you do just about everything wrong in the second half, only score three points, tough way to lose. And not to beat a dead horse, but this is where those field goals instead of touchdowns really catch up to you. When you're in a game that close, when you're not able to generate a lot of pressure, a lot of turnovers, um, you know, you're having to punt the ball pretty often. That's just where it all comes up. But and I mean, like we we have to kind of drill this point home, though, because it's yeah. it's been a consistent issue for CSU. I've written at least four times. Got to figure out the red zone issues. It didn't cost them today but it will cost them in a game against, you know, like Utah State or Boise State. They were actually really good in the red zone against Utah State. Lost that one because of penalties. But again, you know, then we're coming back to coaching. It's just like the same reasons are hurting the Rams over and over again. Special teams woes, penalties, game management, consistency. Yeah. Like, And it just sucks because I think when you look at the talent, and you see the way they've competed now, you know, against Utah State, against San Jose State, who won it last year. I know they're not having the same type of season, but Boise State, Iowa, all these teams, Toledo on the road. I don't think you can argue that CSU's not as talented as just about anybody in the Mountain West. I think, you know, Nevada, Fresno State, San Diego State are kind of in their own level right now, but Boise State, Utah State, they certainly could have beaten either of these teams, if not both. Right. I think we were texting uh, earlier in the week about just the CSU season as a whole. And then, I mean, the ball bounces a different way. This team is uh, at least six to two, maybe seven and one. They're probably in the top 25. You know, they've got one of the best defenses in the country. (laughs) I know it's tough to hear, but (laughs) it's so true. 
It's 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 so just true. that close. But that's I mean that's that's what happens when you have those type of special seasons. It's because you make the little plays. You know, every right. big moment you're able to kind of come up clutch, and some of that's luck. Like let's be real. Sometimes when you have one of those. 10 and two, 11 and one seasons, you probably had like four or five plays go your way. And it, it sure feels like this year, like every team CSU plays just has a horseshoe up their ass, but <laughs> you know, it's, it is what it is. Like good teams often tend to get lucky more often. Cause they probably put themselves in that position. You know what I mean? Right. Like some of it is luck, but some of it is putting yourself in that position in the first place. Right. And, you know, there's a lot to complain about in terms of, you know, the finer details. Um, we, we keep coming back to coaching, right? Um, it could be a lot worse, though. This team has not been very prone to turning the ball over, which has been a real bright spot, uh, something that they could really rely on and why the defense has carried them so many times this year. Um, so it gives them a shot every week. Exactly. So at least Santeo has, you know, it's his first full year starting, but you can kind of tell the guy's been around the game for a long time. You know, he's not forcing passes. He doesn't look lost out there and make dumb decisions. Um, so while it is, it does look bad in some respects, it could be a lot worse. Santeo's a grinder, man. He deserves a lot of praise. It hasn't been easy circumstances. They've yeah. had to play through a lot. The dude, Always gets up. I mean, that's the one thing you can say about this Rams team is they just, they never lay down. I mean, even at the end there, it wasn't going their way, but they were still fighting. That's what gives me hope going into these last four games. And again, you know, we can kind of dive into that when we get into the final thoughts here, just takeaways going into the end of the season. But let's uh, let's play bruise for you and highlight some individuals. Um, oh, actually, real quick, let me get my DraftKings king of the game. Um I think it's got to be Trey McBride, 10 grabs for 103 yards if we're going offense. Um, th there's just nothing that he doesn't do on the football field. He was making plays, had a couple of big conversions. Uh, defensively, I think you could also give it to Cameron Carter, who had 14 tackles. I gave it to him last week, so I just kind of wanted to switch it up. But really, I would go co-kings of the game, you know, for the sake of everybody getting the the proper acknowledgement here but uh, nfl fans hungry for a big win this week DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl has you covered new customers can bet five dollars on any nfl team to win if they win you win two hundred dollars in free bets winner winner chicken dinner it's that simple you can also get some skin in the game with the same game parlay the uh the more legs you add the bigger payout a lot a lot of fun jake big games tomorrow Titans, Titans money line. You can get them at plus money. I feel pretty good against that against the Colts. How do you feel about that one? I like that one also. Uh, King Henry, man. They, I think they're playing without Julio Jones though. So a little careful there. Uh, it feels like he's made a glass this year though. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can pause it and withdraw your funds whenever you want. Download the top-rated DraftKings sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Bet five dollars on any NFL team to win. Win $200 in free bets when they win. If they win, you win with the promo code DNVR. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. I love DraftKings. You love DraftKings. We all love DraftKings. And we also all love ice cold bruise courtesy 
a Breckenridge brewery, the best around. I hope if you were at the game tonight, you stopped by the tailgate. We are giving out free Breck brews lot four, uh, two, five, I believe might be four, one, five. I will post it on Twitter before the next home game. Every home game. We have those just follow my man cams chorizo on Twitter. All right. This is a, a segment we do each and every week. If you listen to the show regularly, you are in on the game. It's where we highlight individuals. Let's go first. Who do you want to? Who do you want to highlight? Uh, are we starting at the bottom with our pints. We're starting with the pints. All right then. Um, with the pints, yeah, I'll give Dante Wright one. Um, you know, hasn't been as impactful as I originally thought coming into the year, but I think tonight overall he was solid. Um, you saw them kind of get him some touches uh, in the run game on some reverses and stuff. Um, and I know he had the injury earlier, so it's just good to see him kind of coming back to the form that he was in. I also had a pint for Dante. Um, six grabs, 56 yards tonight. Got him a couple of runs. Anytime you can get him the ball in space, I think that's advantageous for your offense. Obviously, one of the best yak guys really in the country when he's healthy. I agree that he hasn't been quite as productive as I would have guessed, but it's just tough to say how healthy he's truly been at this point. Like I, I still don't think he's even a hundred percent, but it's good to see him back out there. They're going to need him, right? Like if they're going to find a way to win right. in these last couple of games, it's, it's going to be because they need, it's going to be because they were able to get some of these other playmakers going really encouraging spot on. I also had him down for a pint. Who else he got? Um, let's see here. You know, um, I don't know if he had a complete game, but Marshawn Cameron, I thought played really well in the first half. Um, he was getting on, getting in on some passes. Yeah. I think he had a few pass breakups, um, but uh, it kind of faltered, I guess, as the whole team did towards the end. So. I also had Marshawn Cameron down for a pint, oh, seven tackles tonight, <laughs> but also big just in the context. And I'm going to get to this question from Nicholas Toffelmeyer in a sec. So leave it up on the screen. Um, he got bullied in a big way last week. And I thought it was especially going against the best wide receiving core in the conference. It was an admirable showing. I mean, Khalil Shakir is an animal. He wasn't like running around wide open. Most of his plays were like quick screens where he was able to kind of, you know, get it near the line of scrimmage and then, you know, go for 10, something like that. All things considered an admirable showing from Marshawn. Um, before we, I'm just going to answer this question real quick and then we'll get back into it. We got a question from my main man, Nicholas Toffelmeyer, a.k.a. Daily Adam Thistlewood on Instagram. What are we going to do next year when all of our best players are gone? This team is being carried by talent, not coaching, and that worries me. Yeah, I think that's a, a very valid fear at the moment. You're going to lose Patchen, Manny Jones, Toby McBride, Trey McBride, Ryan Stonehouse. You know, who else, you know, to transfer? Centeo. You know, you never know. Centeno's got another year of eligibility oh, left. Oh, does he? Okay. Um, so he should be back. I imagine he'll be the starter again. It's alarming. I think, you know, at this point that they're in these games because of their talent. And I wouldn't necessarily say coaching has been the difference. I don't want to get too like over dramatic here because again, like we have seen this team establish an identity on both sides of the football. They're able to get the, the ball to their playmakers, especially between the twenties. I think they know what they do well. They just haven't found that consistency. And 
you know, maybe a veteran staff is going to be able to do that over time. But I mean, it's, it's certainly at least a, a valid skepticism at this point. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at least we have Centeno coming back. So you got that going on, especially for a guy that's first year starter. Um, it's really impressive to see what he's been doing. Hopefully he's able to build on that this off season, uh, build some chemistry with those playmakers and really just kind of round out his game and, shoot carry the rams even more than he has tonight i believe bailey has another year of eligibility too so i gotta i gotta confirm that um at least off the top of my head i had him down for one more year though so i mean there are there are some encouraging pieces uh if you're able to keep you know most of the key guys that that don't move on defensively you know the especially in the secondary guys like jack howell henry blackburn people that are you know, kind of flashing Robert Floyd, you know, a true freshman who's come in and played serious minutes as a walk on at corner. Like there are pieces that are encouraging, but I mean, it, it's when you're losing guys like Trey and patch and, and everybody, it's, right. it's fair to be skeptical. I, I won't argue with you there. Uh, getting back to the game though, I got a pint for the offensive line. You didn't run the ball well, but I think Boise state was really keyed in on that. And Centeno had some really great pockets tonight, you know, time to go four or five reads deep at times. So I think the offensive line, especially given the injuries, they had to plug and play some guys. Admirable yeah. performance, all things considered. Absolutely. The injuries were absolutely brutal on the offensive line. Um, I don't have the hit numbers, but only one sack, two hurries uh, from the Boise State defense. So, um, you know, protected Centeno well. He had a pretty good night. We'll get to him later, I guess. <laughs> All right, let's go uh, into some member beers, unless you have any more pints that you want to give out. I'm all good. All right. I am going to give a member beer to Caden Camper just briefly. Four or four on his field goal attempts. It's not his reason. It's not his fault that the offense can't put it in the end zone. You know, I'm sure he'd love to kick some more extra points as well. But again, having a clutch college kicker is rare. Um, I also have a member beer for... Cameron Carter, who again, 14 tackles. This dude's an animal at linebacker. Um, you have done some film rooms now. Him and Daquan Jackson, I think, have really, I mean, I had high expectations for them, but I think they've really, you know, caught some people by surprise this year. Yeah, I'm going to throw Kamara's name in there too. Uh, these guys have been able to fly around and do exactly what. Uh, defensive coordinators asked of them. It's a scheme. We've talked about it in the film rooms. There's a lot of movement on the defensive side of the ball. They try and overload the line a lot and they're able to generate a lot of pressure that way. It helps when you have these linebackers that are able to effectively blitz and also just get out on the perimeter and stop those strung out plays sideline to sideline. Definitely encouraging to see again, guys that and unless they choose to move on, do have eligibility left. So that would be encouraging. You can build off of that next year. They have been just so solid. I mean, it's been the reason that they've essentially been able to shut down the run every single game, you know, like Jake explained mm -hmm. there. Taiwan Francis, um, I was, I probably should have gave him a pint because he did have the pass interference and in the end But again, it was kind of like, it was on a trick play. Didn't really have any other choice, but he had 10 tackles, had a couple of really massive hits. And I think all things considered, he was pretty consistent in pass coverage most of the night, had a couple of pass breakups. Encouraging game for the veteran safety. Yeah, I feel like the, I mean, they weren't special. I don't think anyone on the defensive side of the ball was really special tonight, um, but they were 
able to contain uh, Boise State, I think, pretty well in the passing game. You know, I know Bachmeyer went for 253 yards and three touchdowns, and he was pretty efficient in terms of completion percentage. Um, but outside of Shakir, you know, no really big plays, so it was just an all-around decent performance, I think. And a lot of that kind of came late, you know, when I think the defense was worn down. It's, again, I mean, you, you got to play four quarters, but it's not like, you know, they were they were getting torched all night or picked on or anything like that. I just think it was a product right. of the whole defense getting worn down. And then they had their own injuries to deal with. I mean, we saw Daquan go down. He came back and played her patching and, and went down at one point. Like, it was brutal out there. Blackburn, it looks like. I don't think he ever returned. They're going to need some of these guys to get healthy for the Wyoming game. Um, I have got a member beer for both McBride brothers. Toby was pretty solid. Again, like nobody was phenomenal tonight, but he had a tackle and a half for loss. Most important sack for CSU in this one. And I mean, Trey is Trey. 10 catches for 103 yards. Just get my man some touchdowns. Yeah, seriously. Um and that big play that we already talked about as a turning point that was taken away from him. I mean, he, it's a decent night for, especially for a tight end when you see 10 receptions, 103 yards, but there was so much more left on the table for him. Um, so I think you only giving him a member beer is, uh, it's kind of hurts to see your best player that far down when the awards section, but, um, there was a lot more there on the table for him. Well, the thing is, it's just like, it's tough to give much more in a game you lost, you know, like, it's not a trade. It's not a trade. Didn't have any drops. Didn't have any penalties. Anything like that. But mm-hmm. I mean, you could. I I'd be fine with giving him a beer tower at any point. But the <laughs> I actually I have a beer tower for Todd Santeo. I yep. I know that they lost. I I know that you know it wasn't perfect, but he was great tonight. And like other than maybe I had two throws in my notes where I was like, eh, probably should have place that a little bit better and there might have been another one or two that i'll notice on the rewatch but he's been really good like not even just average but like a genuinely good quarterback yeah he's been awesome and he keeps getting better i think that's the one thing you can really hang your hat on as a rams fan is you've just got to be happy with his progression going back to the south dakota state game and what we just saw tonight um it's really kind of shocking how much he's grown in just a few months um, my big moment for him, that second drive, the touchdown drive uh, in the first quarter, he was just awesome. He had a pass to Trey McBride on second and 10 for 14. Then he had an incompletion. Uh, two plays later on third and 11, he had that 22-yard scramble. It was a very impressive run. I mean, he looked like one of the more athletic players on the field on that run and then throws an absolute dart to Butler for that 30-yard touchdown. Um, he, he could do no wrong on that drive, really. That was great to see, by the way. Cam Butler, first touchdown since 2019. Good to see him healthy. I mean, CSU's got, between Butler and Gary Williams and McBride, like, they've got so many tight ends that are really effective. And, I mean, you don't have a lot of teams that can, you know, send a tight end on a 30-yard seam. And, and it was great execution. You know, they they threw him open. You had Dante running a decoy, decoy as well as Trey. All very encouraging. And, and I'm glad you brought up the third down conversions because that's that's really where Santeo's been great this year. He's good in those like third and seven, eight situations because you yeah. spread it out. And even if you cover anyone, like you said, he's a strong runner. He's effective, has good vision, protects the football. You know, he hasn't been one of those QBs that runs around and fumbles. All around, just a, just a great game from Todd. And 
He's playing some of his best football. Hopefully it translates to more wins down the line, but it, it was a great night from him and he deserved to win tonight. Yeah. Um, we should also add, he was the leading rusher tonight, 10 attempts for 65 yards. Um, I mean, he did it all. Offense was ran through Todd Santeo tonight. And he can pass. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, anybody else you want to highlight before we just kind of move into last call and kind of just talk about our just last thoughts on the game and CSU moving forward? Yeah, I guess in hindsight, I'd give, um, I'd probably pump Stonehouse's uh, beer allowance up a bit. I mean, he really only had the one bad kick. Um, other than that, yeah, he you're right. He does. He in. deserves at least a member beer. When you drop two punts inside the five yard line, both of them sixty plus bombs, and and it's not like the blocked kick was his fault. They let a runner go yeah. straight through, which is exactly what happened twice at Boise State last year. I mean, four blocked kicks in eight quarters between these two teams. That's hire a special teams coordinator, Steve. <laughs> For the love uh, of God. Colorado sports teams and the special teams coordinators, man. Gotta love it. Well, the, the Broncos one might be on the market here pretty soon, I guess. So maybe maybe Whoa. he needs to go down to the college ranks. I don't <laughs> wish that on CSU, but man. Yeah, Stonehouse was great. I mean, the specialists, like you mentioned earlier, they've they've both been awesome all year. And I look forward to watching them drop bombs in the NFL. I'm kind of tired of seeing it in Fort Collins now just because it just means, you know, the drive stalled, but again, right. I have nothing but love and admiration for everything Stonehouse has done. He is still the best punter in the Mountain West. I know there's some hype coming out of San Diego and Areza's he's awesome. The punter slash kicker. It's really cool to see what he's doing, but Stonehouse has done it for four years. So put some respect on his name. Um, let's go to last call. Let's just kind of wrap this up. It's, it's been a long night for everybody. Um, before we get into this, I do want to thank everyone for their kind responses uh, on Twitter. My mom is very grateful for all the the nice responses. She's going to be okay. Uh, gonna gonna be a tough, you know, couple of weeks, but she's a tough gal, and I appreciate all of the the love you guys send my way. Always overwhelms me. Um, I don't know, I always feel kind of weird in those situations, but I post basically my whole life online. It's what I do. So you guys are cool and uh, it means a lot to me. Genuinely. Thank you. Um, all right. Last call. Do you think CSU is good enough to go three and one over the final four? I think so. They got to go to um, Wyoming. They got to go to Hawaii, which is always tricky. And you've got air force and Nevada at home, two of the better teams in your conference. But I think you probably, at least on paper, I think you match up pretty well with Air Force. Right. Um, Air Force, I, th you know, they're a tough team. Um, it helps that you have them at home. So, you know, you don't have to worry about the travel and facing the triple option at the same time. I mean, I guess it's not too long of a distance, but still. Um, the one game I'm really interested in is next week, though, against Wyoming. They're a team that's really struggled as of late. They've started off 4-0. Now they're 4-4. and Um They've played some of the better teams in the conference, though. They had Air Force, Fresno State, and San Jose State. Um, so you're really going to kind of see it's kind of a battle of the middle of the pack right here. You know, you're this is where it's really sorts themselves out between Wyoming and CSU. Um, whether it's possible they can hit that 3-1, it's definitely possible. Um, it's going to come down to those last two games, I think, though, at Hawaii and then the Nevada game. Uh, that might be a bit of a dogfight. Yeah, I mean, Nevada, is, that's just a tough draw. Like, you know, 
too bad you don't have UNLV in that spot or something, you know, but it is what it is. Going to the island is never easy, so I'm not going to undersell that game. Fluky stuff happens, especially with those late night kickoffs. Hate that game, especially like right around Thanksgiving. It's just classic letdown. But (laughs) you've got Wyoming and Air Force first. So, I mean, that is kind of the nice thing, I guess, is even though the last two losses have been just so gut-wrenching. It's not like you should have any trouble getting up for the Border War or Air Force. I mean, a couple of rivalry games. You haven't beat the Falcons since 2015. Wyoming, you're coming off of your first win in in four years before that. So, I mean, big-time motivation. And like you said, Wyoming's really struggling. I believe they scored one offensive touchdown in the last, like, 13 quarters of football or something like that. It's 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 tough. They switched to Levi Williams. CSU has more talent, though. Right, and I think that's, I mean, you saw tonight, when it when it all kind of comes together in that first half, this team can be tough to beat, you know? They can be tough to move the ball against. They can be tough to stop offensively when they're rolling in both aspects. Um, but it's just that. It's, you got to keep it rolling, man. When they have these stalls, it's really kind of tough for them to kickstart it and get back into gear. Um, so, you know, they're a team that, that's best when they're, you know, going hot, which I guess is the most <laughs> teams when they're winning, but still. All right. I'm going to put you on the spot here. CSU and Air Force. What's the Rams record in those next two games? And this is just your gut, you know, again, like you have plenty of, well, I'll get you on the Rams pod and we can dive into it and, you know, you can justify mm-hmm. yourself better or even change your answer. But right now, how you feel? Uh, right now, gut reaction, I'd probably say they win against Wyoming and they lose to Air Force. Um, I just think the Air Force matchup, it's definitely one they can go in there and win. Um, you know, they're going to have to have the front seven really show up in that game and kind of play at the heights that we've seen earlier in the year. You think of the Iowa game, uh, the San Jose State game, um, even, you know, some aspects last week against Utah State. Um, it's just that the triple option is so hard, man. I, I never really feel confident picking against it. No, I think that's certainly fair. And I mean, you know, another thing to consider is if you're going to be Air Force, it takes a really disciplined approach. And, you know, discipline has been kind of an area where CSU has been pretty inconsistent. And you don't really have to worry about them beating you over the top all night. But it's just one of those where it's when they catch you sleeping and, you know, can you stay contained on the outside, not give up those big plays deep, you know, make the tackles in the open field when you have the opportunity. Don't kill yourself with penalties their drives are just so long. They eat up possession on you. Like your margin for error is so thin. I still feel good about CSU's chances. I will say tonight was a gut punch and we'll see. I just think there's only so many like tough losses you can bounce back from. And we're kind of reaching that point with the Rams where I think they're probably close to getting pushed off the edge. They're also probably a big win from like, you know, getting right back into it. We have, we've seen the talent, we've seen them respond, but just a tough way to lose. Yeah. Kind of back against the wall here. Um, You know, I do really think they match up well against Wyoming and they're kind of catching them at the right time. And I think that just after tonight, after being so close to winning tonight, I think they could bounce back in a big way, even though it's on the road. But yeah, man, that game against Air Force, that's going to be the real turning point. I think if you can kind of fix some of those issues, we saw it tonight. Boise State, they had those 97-yard drives. You just cannot let that happen against Air Force. So I think that this game is going to kind of, it'll go a long way in them preparing to beat Air Force in a couple weeks. 
Agreed. And it's just like a get right game. I mean, I don't like phrasing it that way because it's a rivalry. You know, it's not you're Mm -hmm. not playing an FCS team. You're not playing UNLV. If you Mm -hmm. go up there and don't play your best game, Wyoming will punch you in the mouth. You know, they're going to be up for it. It's the border war. I just think CSU has the talent edge here. I'm I'm keeping faith in that in that component of it. Well, they're going to need a couple of guys to get healthy, obviously. they they gotta make adjustments in the red zone. The coaching has to be better down the stretch. It it just they can't keep losing this way. You know, you're you're not gonna have a lot of these guys to rely on next year. So they they just they have to figure a lot of this stuff out. You have an opportunity, you beat Wyoming, you beat Air Force, then you're a win over Hawaii away from bowl eligibility. You lose to Wyoming. Who knows what's going to happen at that point? You might finish uh, zero and four. Like they got. I think this Wyoming. next week is just so big. It's absolutely mm-hmm. a must win. I mean, the last couple have been too, but in in a legitimate sense, yeah. Wyoming is a must win. The bronze boot on the line, pride, respect, all that, but also just your season. You're playing for your season at this point, and I think that's a good way to end this podcast. You know, that's that's where the Rams are at. Jake, thank you so much for joining me. It's always a blast to get your insight. Always. Make sure you guys go follow my man, Jake, on Twitter. Follow all of his film room stuff if you haven't. It's been awesome. Thank you to everybody in the comment section. Shout out to Yahir behind the scenes. Happy Halloween, everyone. Stay safe out there. Much love.